0: Shall we pray? Father, we just come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We just thank you, we just praise you, we just worship you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, thank you. Author and the finisher of our faith. What you have begun in us, you are faithful to finish it. All you ask us is to believe, surrender, to obey. come to you this morning we surrender our hearts our minds our entire being Lord teach us Father teach us teach us continuously teach us to stand in the midst of this evil day how long this evil day will continue we do not know but your people have to be standing and be found standing when it's all over until the hour of your coming equip us for that Lord that's the purpose of the ministry within the church. So speak to us this morning. We just surrender this time into thy hands. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. Second Corinthians 5 and verse 7. We have to keep, like John the Baptist, hammering it in, one line message, until it becomes our life. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We live by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. It looks like such a small little, what do you say, short little verse in the Bible, but it is, it is that will set us free. How do you and I walk? What is that our eyes are on? The spiritual or the material? The eternal or the temporal? You know, we are all making decisions. Every decision is based on that. Is the spiritual first or the material first? If the spiritual is first, we walk by faith. If the material is first, we walk by sight. Material means what we see, pursue with our physical senses. This is a material world. The eternal versus the temporal. lot of things that can bring temporal results. Very fast, temporal gain. But eternity, it may make no difference. Actually, it may end up like you have in entrance exams with negative marking. <laughs> as long as negative marking is not there, you know, before your zamana came, we would always stick anyway nothing to lose. When negative marking came in fears, okay, I think I'd better leave it alone. <coughs> okay, so please remember, <coughs> things are not as we see. As long as the focus is on the temporal and the material, and since that's the world we live in, people will not see any need for repentance or change. Okay, You need to understand, people who are living in the temporal world, in the material world, uh, get offended by the message which demands change. Because they don't need the necessity of change. Because they'll always say, why do you have to change? What profit is it in there for me? Because they're not seeing the spiritual or they're seeing the eternal. And often the problem is we do not see the difference. We may pray, we may praise, we may preach all passionately. (laughs) But at the core of it is temporal and material. I've been to a couple of prosperity meetings in my young days. You have to see the passion. You have to see the people in the pews jumping and dancing when the preacher talks about money. They literally bounce off their seats. (laughs) And the concluding worship is like so passionate. So you may pray, you may Praise You may preach all so passionately, but if at the core of it is this temporal world, this material world, it is still false. Okay, So remember, we've been looking at the kingdom. We have been looking at the kingdom. The whole thing is that we have to bring our focus back before God can really speak to us and prepare us. The focus is back to the kingdom. The king first, our heart for the king. And our mind is focused on the kingdom. So two different concepts. Heart to the king and the mind to the kingdom. Because we are now in 2020, almost 2,000 years since Jesus died and rose again. I don't know how many years are left. And one of the signs very clearly mentioned is the falling away in the last days. And We are in the last of the last days. Okay, if you go to... Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 1 to 3, very clearly mentioned. Okay, now brethren concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you. So it's very clear. This is, this is not talking about any particular event other than the actual coming of Jesus Christ to take the church. Okay, not to be shaken in mind or trouble either by spirit or word or by letter as if from us as through the day of Christ had. Let no one deceive you by any means for that day will not come until the falling away comes first. Okay? Until the, fa- and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. It is not going to happen until the falling away takes place. Before the son of perdition, the actual son of perdition is revealed, there has to be a falling away. Okay? The people have fallen away, fallen away, fallen away, fallen away, fallen away. And then the son of perdition is revealed, is revealed, and if you look at how he is revealed, the falling away takes place and how it will be easy for him to be revealed, you turn with me to Revelation chapter 3 and verses 14 to 20, we are not studying on that, I am just just giving you a recap, to the angel of the church of Laodiceans, right, okay, this is the last church, the final church, Okay, the seventh church. So it is a historically seven churches at the time of uh, John. But it's also prophetically, if you look at the ages, this is the last eight church, Philadelphia and Laodicea. One small little church, not with strength. And this is a very large church. These things says the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were called or hot. See, first thing, the caution over there. First caution over there is this church is neither hot nor cold. Meaning, they just look warm. They are not passionate about the kingdom or the king. That does not mean they are not hot. They are passionate about other things. They are not passionate about the king. They are not passionate about the kingdom of God. Okay? They are not. And you will see he says, I wish you were cold or hot, okay? And then, and because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. And the first thing we need to look at is that, is that when God talks about it, that, does not look at our activities. Activities can fool. We as a church have so much activity now, especially because during this lockdown. That's irrelevant. Activity means nothing, okay? means nothing. You can be busy through the day and achieve nothing. That's how workers are. There are two ways if you look at workers. One is you hire somebody, you are building your own house and you hire the laborers. Okay, and I tell you, I'll pay you every day. No, but Okay. Or you get that fellow and give him a contract and say, This is how much I will give you, you finish it. If you give him a contract, he'll finish it very fast. But if you hire him every day, he will just make a lot of noise. Because you want to stretch it as far as he can, okay? Honestly, because <laughs> I built my house and I know how they work. Okay, we know how they work. Okay, so what I'm telling you is that don't look at activities. God is not looking at activities. God is first looking at our heart. Are you passionate about the King? Are you passionate about the Kingdom of God? There's a person, and this person's mind, the way he thinks, his ways permeates his kingdom. And it is to that we have been invited and born again. Are you passionate about it? If you are not, because you see, the the falling away takes place because the eyes are on the temporal and the material. You say, I am rich. I have become wealthy. I have need of nothing. do not know you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. This is an indictment. He says, you don't know your actual spiritual condition and you do not know what your eternal condition is also going to be. Okay, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire that you may be rich, white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, anoint your eyes with eyesalve that you may see. I don't know what the pastor of Laodicea felt when this letter came to him. Okay, John is sending these letters everywhere and this copy will come to the pastor of Laodicea too, the indictment. Okay. As many as I love, I rebuke, I chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. And in verse 20 he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice. And you will see the fundamental issue that happened to this church is they had stopped hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. Okay. They stopped hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had just become a doctrine. It's no longer a person. The pastor and the church had stopped listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and their focus had changed from the person because when the Holy Spirit comes, he will focus his Christ and focus is the kingdom of God. That had gone. But they had a lot of activity. And outwardly, if you look, they were doing pretty good. And that gave them a sense of very, you know, peace and security. But this is what the Bible is talking about. The church doesn't realize the church has fallen away. Has fallen away church has fallen away completely. Okay, it's fallen away. It's on the verge of being spat out into the tribulation that will come. Okay? That's what. Okay? So. So we we, we need to be very very careful about these things because the norm in the church in the kingdom of God is fire. Not to be cold or lukewarm. The norm the norm. The problem is we forget. Anybody who is on fire for God, we put cold water on them. And the older ones will begin it. The young one is on fire for God, we'll say don't show off. Okay, sit still there. But we don't realize in the kingdom of God, the norm is fire. Okay, the norm is. And that's the first indictment to the church in Ephesus. You, your passion has gone. It's your passion. Okay, because your heart. Okay, the heart, whatever. Because the heart cannot be kept empty. If you're not passionate about Christ, it will be passionate about something else. It, it, it does not, the heart does not accept a vacuum. It will, you will be passionate about something. That's the way the nature of the heart is. Okay? So you will see what is actually happening. And the problem is, if you turn with me to Judges chapter 2 and verse 10, 2 10 and then 11 and 12 also when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers who was this generation the generation that was passionate about god when they had been gathered to their fathers another generation arose after them who did not know the lord nor the work the so problem here is every generation has to pass the fire onto the next generation the passion for god onto the next generation It passed on from Moses to Joshua. It did not pass from Joshua to the next generation. One generation, two generations later, the passion goes, and every church becomes a denomination. But none of these churches began that way. None of these churches began there, whether it's Methodist or Lutheran or any of these churches. They began, they went through martyrdom and sacrifice and persecution, and persecution kept the fire burning. And then the... A generation arose because the fire was not passed. Okay? And then what happens? They did not know the Lord. Then, what happens when you don't know the Lord? Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. So okay, different gods. Because they're going. So we may say we are not going after different gods. But I said behind these gods, there are always ideologies. There are powers. There are demons. And we serve. You see, again you cannot remain neutral if you do if you're not passionate about the kingdom of God, you will find a cause for which you will be passionate. And that's what happened in the Christian world. Full of causes. People are on the streets fighting for causes without realizing the reason is because you have missed the kingdom of God. And then verse 12 says they forsook the Lord of their fathers. Okay, you see there is stages. You did not pass the knowledge of God passion of God then they started doing evil in the sight of God because they have no knowledge of the ways of God what is right and what is wrong and they started serving other gods and then they start forsaking okay so ultimately what happens in this church there is neither knowledge nor fire for God neither the passion for God or the knowledge about the ways of God and see true knowledge is always replaced by false knowledge Again, your mind will not be empty. Mind was, the mind of man was created in the image of God. So the mind of man will always search for knowledge. Always search for knowledge. The heart was created to be passionate, so it will always be passionate about something else. That is why you have innovation around the world and animals don't innovate at all. Whatever idiots who believe in evolution don't understand, the animals don't seek anything. The dog has been the same way from the time the dog was born till today. It doesn't build a home. It doesn't create anything. Its passions haven't changed. Its nature hasn't changed. Anything you talk about, it is still the same because simply it's because the image of God. They don't have the image of God. We have the image of God. And image of God, If, like today, if you look at it in today's context, our heart, the heart is passionate about something. because God is passionate about his creation. And the mind of God, the ways in God functions, the ways God thinks. Okay, and it, 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 so the man also has that mind. So he is also creative in nature. So if there is no true knowledge, it will be replaced by false knowledge. If it's not true fire for God, it will be replaced by what is called profane fire. Any passion for anything above and over God is called profane fire. And that's what Aaron's sons offered. As a type, they offered profane fire, and they were consumed. And everybody who is passionate within the kingdom of God for anything other than Christ will be ultimately consumed by God. They'll be consumed. The fire will consume them, because it's profane fire. It is profane fire. And God says, be careful about these things. So these are all warnings. And Revelation chapter 3, what we saw, Laodicea, is the tragic sign of the last days church picture because the voice of the Holy Spirit is shut. He is now knocking to get into the church. While he should be right there behind the pulpit and speaking to the world and to the church, he is the voice instead. He is now trying to enter into the church. So the church has no voice to the world. Have you noticed? The church has no voice to the world. Okay, so how do we go back? how do we go back okay we have to go back the way every time a revival took place they had to go back to god in repentance okay surrendering our heart first and our mind okay so we have to return back to true faith we have to approach the word of god the spoken and the written with all our heart and ask God to show us and make us. See, the entire purpose of God, in first in creation, he said, let us make man in our image, and in his image he made us, and fell away. The, the entire purpose of salvation is to recreate man back in God's image, and it begins with salvation. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man is in Christ Jesus, he said, new creation, the old has all passed away. The old has all passed away. So let's come to that. The image of God. Second, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. So on, on uh, the past days, we looked at remember uh, we, and we are not going there. Jude 1, 4, and Romans 10.17 uh, We saw we have to balance these two words because both these words are used as faith. Faith as a system of precepts in which we believe and we love. Okay? That faith is actually called truth. That faith is truth. And then there is faith that comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Okay? So these both are there. So if you look at, we divided faith into like, there is the word of God, there is the hearing of the Holy Spirit and then it becomes complete when i hear and i obey it results in a work and faith is completed and the life of god the power of god the spirit of god flows into that situation now if you turn with me uh, to second corinth uh, second timothy chapter 4 and verse 7 second timothy chapter 4 and verse 7 i have fought the good fight I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. So, faith is a battle, lifelong battle. If there are battles, there are enemies. So, we learn about the enemies, and we learn about battle strategies, and how to fight this battle, and what are the weapons. Second thing, faith is a race, it's a journey, it's a race. And if it is a race, then we have to ask these questions: What are you running for? And Paul makes it very clear there are two kinds of crowns: perishable and imperishable. What are you running for? Perishable or imperishable? Second thing he says: How are you running? Okay, in Second Timothy chapter two and verse five, two and verse five. Also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So he says, how are you running? Are you running according to the rules? There are rules in the kingdom of God when you are running this race. It's not finishing the race or finishing first. Are you running according to the rules? What are you running for? A temporal or an eternal crown? Are you running according to the rules of the kingdom? And then another question you have to ask is, how much are you willing to sacrifice to win this race? How much price are you willing to pay? Any race in the world, people will look and say, is it worth it or not? Like um, 30 young people from Telangana have cleared the civil services. And one of the toppers from Telangana is a girl. And if you actually look at her, she's at the IPS... Academy here, Sadharwal Academy, meaning she cleared the IPS last year and she's still not satisfied. She wants to do IAS. And she cleared the IAS ranking and so she will leave her IPS and go to IAS. And if you look at most of those people who have cleared or in the rankers, they are either from IIT Delhi, IIT Kharagpur, IIT Kanpur. So you look at that. They cleared IIT. That itself is a headache. Then they cleared IPS still not satisfied now they will clear go into and what will they become the peon of a politician ultimately ultimately and here is God calling and says be my sons and daughters and rule with me through eternity I am offering you something that is imperishable but you have to run according to the rules no bribing please no corruption please Integrity, righteousness—all these things factor in. So, life is a yeah battle. Faith is a battle. Faith is a race, and then yeah, go to four seven. He says, "I kept the faith," meaning kept the faith. Meaning you have to look. Faith also has truth. Okay, has to truth. It's a truth that sets you free. Love doesn't set you free. It's the love of God that sets us free. Love doesn't set you free. The truth that sets you free. Okay. And if you look at these concepts, people anyone who is satisfied with his spiritual state is a fool. The only time you can be satisfied is when God says you have become like Christ. That is what we are running for. That's what we're running for. Okay. Let's let's before we get into the, the other side of the message, let me give you a couple of examples. Jesus said when the, holy, the spirit of when the holy Spirit the spirit of truth comes, he shall lead you into all truth, okay so that truth is very f- frightening unless there is surrender and love for this person. See that's why these two things are important. If you don't love Christ with all your heart, all your might, all your strength, you will always fear change. let me say let me say, when our babies were born and because we loved those babies, sacrifice meant nothing. The baby, you, when the baby had little, what you call a little bubble in his stomach <laughs> and he started, no, it didn't matter how many hours you walked back and, forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth in the night. All these things didn't matter. And nobody expected a salary at the end of a day also or a promotion. The simple thing was that because you loved that little thing who couldn't give you anything back, you that's what it says, the, this, uh, the labor of love and the work of faith, and the patience of hope. Okay, The thing is that you cannot create these things. All you can do is go before God and say, Spirit of God, help me to love you, your Son, Jesus, with all my heart. And then sacrifice becomes irrelevant. You, n- you never think, if you look in your human relationships, you never think it has sacrifice to do things for the people you love. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't think about it. And yet these objects you love are all temporal. All temporal. When death comes, you are separated. And you don't even know whether they will be with you on the other side or not. Because God alone knows whether they are saved or not. And even they come to the other side, relationship is different. So everything here objective has a timeline. And yet we are willing to sacrifice because we see them in the material world. And the material world catches us. So God uses all these examples and says, I have to give you material examples so that you understand spiritual truths. Okay? So let us look at as an example about truth, how difficult to handle truth is. And sometimes we are such absolute, let's use that word, fools when it comes to truth. Okay? Let's look at. Um, Roles, like, no, or father, mother, husband, wife, child, employee. You want to put employer also? And seven. Everything, I think, is included in this, right? Everything is in this seven. Everything is included in this seven. I'm just using an example. If you are listening, children, don't get offended. It's a, the it's a truth. If you get offended by the truth, God have mercy on you, but applies to everybody. Let's take our home, our orphanage, for, uh, for understanding our home. We have GSS boys and GSS girls. Pick any girl from GSS and pick any boy from GSS. and Think about the girl from GSS who came from a broken home, no home, abuse, violence, suicide, whatever. And sh- the child has been with us for 12 years, 13 years. is grown now, let us say 20 years, 22 years. And a boy from the similar district. Let's imagine the girl gets married tomorrow and the boy gets, gets married today. What do they know what a home is? What do they know what a father is? What do they know what a mother is? What do they know a husband is? What do they know a wife is? They don't know. They don't know. And this is true for everybody. Because everybody comes from dysfunctional homes, mostly dysfunctional homes. Because even you come from a functional home, if you look into the word of God and see the truth of who God is as a father, and who God is as a mother, who God is as a husband, and who God is as a wife, and who God is as a child, and who God is as an employee, and who God is an employer, we realize everything about us is dysfunctional. Oh boy! So, see, when you don't know the norm, the norm is God the Father. We are very satisfied when you don't know it. Oh, I'm a great father. How many cups do you get? Greatest father in the world. Is it true? i got so many. The only one who can hold a cup like that is God. (laughs) Do we see? The problem that happens. People are so, so, so content. Oh, I'm a great mother. Are you? Are you? Did you look into the word of God to know what a mother is? Did you learn motherhood from the Bible? The revelation which God and the Holy Spirit is able to show you. I am great father. Have you seen God the father? The revelation? Christ is the husband of the church. Have you looked at Christ? Have he deals with the church? Okay. Christ is the actual model of a wife to the husband. When he came as Christ and he was accepted the headship of his father in all things. He showed model that too. Because we don't have to look at the female picture. We only have to look at the submission picture. Wife, submit your husband in all things as unto the Lord. Christ came and submitted to his father in all things. And showed us what submission is. Okay. And we look at all those things and then we feel so cool. And God says, you know, you are a fool. <laughs> because you do not realize the 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 question paper is given by God. And the answer paper is Christ. And we are in the middle. We are caught in the middle. Okay? We are in the middle. And God gave us a teacher called the Holy Spirit so that the answer tallies. Answer dal- so this is a continuous, continuous process. Continuous process. Okay? And the last days, the problem is the world is an absolute mess. Because the father is missing, the father as the God type is missing, the mother is missing as the Godhead, the son is missing, sorry, the child is missing, the husband is missing, the wife is missing, and uh, the employer is missing, the employee is missing. It's an absolute mess. And everybody is happy. So we have Father's Day, we have Mother's Day, I don't know whether we have Husband's Day, we have Woman's Day, we have Children's Day. No, <laughs> and everybody is happy, congratulating each other, giving cards to each other. What a great husband you are! God, a great wife you are! God sister, and he's scratching his head. What are these people talking about? What are these people? And there is no e- see because we are caught in the temporal, and somebody says, "Oh, you are such a great father." You feel good. Jesus never felt good until the day he came out of the water, and the father said, "I'm pleased with you." Pleased with you. What was he pleased with? I said, I've seen you as a son in Joseph and Mary's house. I've seen you as a brother to those younger siblings. I saw you in your father's carpentry shop as an employee. I saw you and I'm pleased with you. I'm pleased with you. Okay. And that sh- is the only thing that should please us. That's the only thing to please us. And people don't realize it. People don't. And homes are all dysfunctional. All homes are dysfunctional. Either an alcoholic father, or an angry mother, or a missing father, okay? Or a mother. I mean, a lot of children today come from single-parent homes. Either the father has left, or the father died, or whatever. Automatically, when the father is missing, the mother becomes very hard. She has to balance both. She becomes over-tough. and The children are just waiting to run. Okay? And they run. And they run, and they run, and they run, they run, they run, they run. And one day they also get married. But when they get married, they have no clue what a father is or a mother is. And they have come through the education system, which is all demonic because it's psychology. Human psychology, Freud and Jung and all the, all the stuff. It's not like the ancient days. In ancient days, there was so much of truth because education in the Western world was the Bible. A couple of hundred years later, when the Reformation Renaissance took place, the Bible was taken out as considered old-fashioned, and they brought in other stuff. Now our children are all brought up with ideologies. So everybody talks only about rights. Nobody talks about responsibilities. Because the norm about a father is not rights, it's responsibility. That's what the Bible teaches The norm of the mother is responsibility and not rights. The norm of a husband is responsibility and not rights. The norm of a wife is responsibility. The norm of a child is responsible. If you look at it, it's... But when people come into the church, what do they ask? They always... Why do people leave churches and keep on floating around? Leave leave the pulpit aside other than that. It's because they are actually coming with the attitude to see what this church can do to me, not what I can do to the church. I was not satisfied in that church. I thought you came to give. I thought it was said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And if you have seen that those who understood and became givers, it didn't matter which city they went and they find a the church and they are givers there and they are always happy and they are always content. Always content. You know. And we need to realize that's why we have to put this truth up and constantly Battle the ideas that have got into our mind. These ideas come nicely packaged. Women's rights, man's rights, children's rights. And when those rights are violated, it's all abuse. Abuse. Jesus must have worked in his father's carpentry shop from the child as a child. Or oh, today Joseph would be in prison for abusing Jesus in his youth. He didn't go to school. He was working child labor. The entire ancient world was built on child labor. They labored with their parents in the field or in the workshop. That's how it was. But today we have changed the norm. Changed the norm. The reason, the problem is that, okay, we have to see that they are not abused, children are not kidnapped and put it into quarry. We have, All that is right. But don't get the idea. When a child works, it is wrong. The problem is you will take this and the devil will... Put a new wrapping around it, and then suddenly you will realize, okay, this has gotten so. Okay, uh, my child is there. Uh, okay, I need to hire a maid to do his room. Child shouldn't work. Everything should be done for the child. Now the child has become a protected species. See, we take one thing. We have. We never learn to balance these things. So the child grows up doing nothing and always thinks. Things have to be done. That's what has happened to the modern. It's an entitlement mentality. You can't speak to these protected species; they're always offended because they have been brought up with this, brought up with this idea of rights alone, and they think they are right. That's the church in Laodicea. But the Holy Spirit is outside. He cannot talk. You cannot talk. honestly look into the kingdom of God today, the church today, and how many people can you really talk to? 1970s. I recently read about a uh, research, this thing that came. 1970s. They said almost 70 percent of the people said they used to go to church in U.S. In the p- past couple of years, it has come down to 17 percent. Person who go regularly to church, and now after the pandemic came in, it has come down to five percent who listen actually online. So, do you think the falling away is taking place? And I also see it spiritually that this online thing which God has shut down and forced the online on is actually one of the biggest tests for the individual believer. Biggest test for the individual believer. Because it is actually personal accountability. Will you listen or not? Nobody is going to monitor you. Nobody is going to supervise you. Nobody is going to supervise you what are you going to do and people don't realize the answer to everything in life and what is happening what is going to happen it's only get more and more and more difficult in this journey of faith that's why scripture says last days will be what perilous for whom for the believer not for the others all these things are evil days and perilous only for those who are walking with God. It is not perilous or evil for the others because for them evil is good. Evil is good. Okay. It is going to be perilous. So a lot of people in the church are not even bothered by what's happening in this country or what's happening both. If you look at these two, it's interesting. The the oldest democracy in the world, USA. And the largest democracy in the world, India, from two different sides, the same thing is happening. One thing in the U.S., the left-wing forces are taking over. At the core, it is the same. And the, in the right, in the India, the right-wing forces are taking over. And at the core, they are the same. The right-wing in the U.S. and the right-wing in India are absolutely different. I'm not talking about the right-wing cra- crazies. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the conservatives they call right wing. The, conserva- the conservatives in US actually believe in freedom, liberty, everything. But here they don't. They don't. Let me, I have four people watching me. I'm just going to ask you a simple question. It will also, okay, okay. okay. Just answer honestly, okay, all of you. I have two Indians and two non-Indians here, but it's a common question. Imagine Tomorrow you get in your mail a green card from US. Okay, that's the average human's dream. Green card. And a check for a million dollars. Two together. Usually you only get a green card and no money. Or you get money and no green card. Or the third you get neither. Think for a minute. You get a green card. And you got a million dollar check. Where will you go in the US? And you have the freedom to go anywhere and do whatever you want. Start. Where will you go? Which place will you choose? See, Pastor Vijay said New York. Sammy? New York. Peter? New York. Appu is the uh, cutest. She has no choice. Uh, let me tell you, if you ask me if I were given a choice, other than ministry wise given a choice, you know which state I will choose? A state nobody will choose. It's cold. It's windy, it's sparsely populated, it's a state called South Dakota. You know why? You have absolute freedom in that place to practice your beliefs. You pay the least, around 2% of income tax. The government doesn't tax all your money away. You can practically have the absolute freedom to bear arms. And the freedom of speech. And I will choose that over any place in U.S., because ultimately, you make your choices based on liberty and not on prosperity. New York is the most wicked city in the U.S. Where only evil has liberty. Righteousness does not have liberty. This is the issue. This is the issue. And most people, even in the U.S., would not go to South Dakota. Very cold. I can manage the cold. I'll manage the wind too. I'll use part of that uh, million dollars to build a nice solid concrete structure which won't be blown away. But I will any day choose liberty over prosperity. You know. This is fundamental issues we face. Fundamental issues we face. You know, I'm no I'm I'm sorry I asked you a question and you gave the answers. But it is a revelation of how much we struggle with the temporal and with the eternal. What would you choose? I remember reading a story. I think my father was teaching that day or one of the textbooks, I remember. There's this wolf, this fox, which comes out of the jungle, because there's no food in the jungle. See. And he comes and he comes to a farmhouse, and he sees a dog you know, lying over there. The dog is a nice, fat dog. So, the dog also, it just stops, starts barking, then stops. And they both start talking. So, the fox says, it's very difficult in the jungle. There's no food at all. We are all starving. You see, the bones are showing. The dog said, oh, why don't you come and live with me? My master is very good. I'm fed all my meals. And it's a really easy life. He said, oh, really? Do you think my master, what do you have to do? He said, nothing. Just bark a few times if you see danger. That's all he asks and nothing else. And then... The dog suddenly got up. And when the dog suddenly got up, he saw the collar, the leash, and the leash. And he said, what is that? And he said, oh, by the way, I am chained. I cannot go unless he lets me loose. The fox looked at him and said, I'll go back to my jungle and stall. Thank you. I prefer liberty over prosperity. You know? And People do not realize liberty is the cry of the kingdom. Whom the sun sets free, is free indeed. So what kind of an environment would you choose to live in? I would choose an environment where I have the absolute freedom to practice my faith. My faith. You know all the states in US? The only state that was not shut down during this pandemic was South Dakota. One of the only states. You know what the governor said? The governor said, I will not enforce the mask. I will encourage you. I will request you to wear it, but I will not mandate it because it's your freedom. Population is sparse, but it has one of the least incidences of COVID-19. You, know, you have to look at all these things. All these things. And the left wing in U.S., will take all your liberties away. The right wing here also will take all your liberties away. The genuine right wing that is the conservatives will always give you the freedom to choose because it's a God-given freedom to choose. It's a God-given freedom to choose. It cannot be taken away. And when we make our decisions, that's that's why our struggle with understanding the kingdom, the kingdom. And pastors struggle. I don't struggle. I learned this. My job is to take people to Christ and get them to hear from the Holy Spirit and leave them alone. And after that, however they make their decisions and go away from the church, it doesn't bother me. My job is not to make a set of people follow me. That is not mine. Keep them in the church till eternity comes. No. Our job is only to lead people to Christ. They have to learn to hear from the Holy Spirit. and when they have learned to hear from the Holy Spirit... There is absolutely no situation in life you will ever face that you cannot handle. Handle. and A lot of people don't hear because they have been taught in the church to be dependent upon people and not onto Christ. So you have these two faiths. One is the precepts, the truth ideologies because in the new this age we have to really hammer it in. All this we didn't have to because ideologies were in there hardly any ideologies were there though they were false prophets and apostles but today it's a different thing. Our children are not coming from a week in the farm or in the carpenter shop or to church. They're all coming from schools and colleges where it is all ideologies and taught you across as education. Education, new education policy has come. Imagine another five years and all oh, that's why the agenda is very clear. By hook or crook, we will take over every state government because education is state subject. And every state, a particular party takes over, the education changes. History changes. If Jesus' to come, another 25 years of the same rule, this a generation will arise who does not know Gandhi who does not know Nehru, does not know our freedom movement, what they sacrificed and fought, the values, the ideals, they will be a new generation who will be completely indoctrinated with a new philosophy of what India is. That's what it has happened. You go to China, the Chinese student who grows up has no idea of Chinese history. The Chinese history has been completely changed and they have been taught as Mao, as the father of China. And the generation, that's exactly what we read. A generation grew up who did not know their God, because history was changed. History was changed. And there is a whole lot of people growing up in the church who do not know their God. Who do not know their God. They don't know their God. <laughs> they have been sold a Jesus who is not Jesus. A gospel which is not the gospel. A set of ideologies which is not the truth. And everybody is happy. I am okay, you are okay. I'm a good father, you're a good mother, you're a good husband. Everybody is happy. And if somebody is unhappy, it's got nothing to do with the truth. It was because their self was not met. So I was talking to Pastor Vijay about the older generation, like our fathers and grandparents and all, who were Christians. They personally did not know Christ. But they were so much brought up in the Christian culture, ethos, they were more Christian than us in their action, in their walk, in the way they dealt in life. They were so much Christian than us. A new generation has risen who say we have accepted Christ but have no Christianity in their outworking at all. So there is an actual generational shift that is happening. That An older generation looks at these children and says, You people sing, you people pray. You are so excited about your meetings, but I don't see anything Christian about you. And you look at them; everything about them, their values are so Christian. And we say, "But you don't sing and pray and praise like us." Now, who is true? Who is true? Who is true? We have to bridge these both and say, "You are true in your practice." we are true in the person and when you get together you have the actual picture you have the actual picture and you cannot walk away from this you cannot walk away you cannot walk away from this and this is the danger and the struggle a generation faces and churches like ours will always face the struggle because you are you are not you're competing for the hearts and minds of people to bring them to Christ from the material to the Eternal. From, the, from the, the spiritual. From the temporal to the eternal. Yeah. Eternal. Because our education system is like that. What is the entire purpose of an education system? You know what the entire purpose of an education system is? is to pass an uh, exam and get a job. That's all. That's all. That's all. Pass an exam get a job. That's all. It's not about values. It's not about life. It's not about life. It's not about life. It doesn't matter. And so it doesn't matter how many online systems you have all over there. They're learning nothing. They're learning nothing. And with that same mental attitude, after six days of schooling, eight hours of schooling, when they come and sit in the church for three hours, how do you think they are listening? Pass an exam? True. That's how they take it. Pass an exam. You know what that exam is? When I die, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. That's all. That's all. And we struggle. We struggle. And Jesus comes into the middle of it is and says, I am life. And says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Show us the Father. He says, this is what the Father looks like. This is how he looks like, this is how he talks, this is how he walks, this is how he does his work. This is how he is passionate about. To do the will of my father is food for me. He says, he says that's my passion. And my father says, I need to go to Jerusalem and die. You cannot discourage me. I am going to Jerusalem. It's his passion. He says, this is what life is all about. You know? And our struggle is with this. And struggle. See, as long as our heart is not right, and even if you are operating in ministry, you are operating in ministry with gifts and not with life. You know the difference? apukuti I will tell you the difference because you are a gardener too. Imagine you have a bonsai apple tree. Okay, I, I hope there is a bonsai apple tree Okay, or any bonsai tree. And it's in your front room. And it's bearing. Nice fruit. Okay? Very nice fruit. And then Christmas season is coming. Imagine you're one of those old-fashioned Christmas people and not like us, okay? Imagine. And you have six children. I bless you with six children, okay? (laughs) Think about the Christmas tree. And the decorations. And the gifts. What do you think the children are going to be excited about? Let's get excited about the Christmas tree. Christmas is over. We'll keep it till New Year. And after that, what happens to the tree? It's folded. and Put it away. What happens to the apple tree? It's still bearing fruit. You know? This is knuckly, fake. This is real. This is real. And we have been, our minds have been bombarded with the knuckly. With the fake. That we do not even know how to distinguish between the real and the fake. And Jesus comes in. Jesus comes in. We have changed the image of Jesus. Today Jesus, in Christmas time, nowhere in the world, actually out you will see Jesus. You see Santa Claus. And people love Santa Claus. Because what does he do? He never threatens you. He never preaches a message, repent for the kingdom of God is here. He never demands change from me. He looks like a nice little old man with his white beard, forever giving gifts. Christmas has changed. And we have made that into the gospel. So let's go to John chapter 2. Just a small peep. The Gospel according to John is so different from the other Gospels, okay? Because like I was preaching in the Nepali and the Hindi service, the world is going through two major crises. The whole world is going at the same time. One is called disease. The other is called lack. Okay, lack. And nobody has the courage to speak the truth about the disease. I'm not talking about silencing conservative voices or the doctor. it's about the actual truth about COVID-19. There's another truth behind COVID-19 because it upsets everybody if you tell the truth. You are vulnerable to COVID-19 because of your health. If you are a healthy person, you will not be actually be vulnerable to COVID-19. Meaning, COVID-19 casualties in so many ways has directly got to do with what you eat. If you have been eating on junk food, then you have all kind of diseases in your body. Meaning, your mother is at fault. But you cannot touch the woman. It's dangerous. Protected species. And if the mother has to buy food from outside, that means the father is missing. So... He's gone anyway. That's the truth about disease. That is the truth about disease. When we were growing up, or in any country in the world, especially Western, and the more uh, advanced in knowledge kind of countries, more in the sense, I'm not talking about technology. If you look, people rarely fell ill. There was no refrigerators. Your butter in the West was put in a bucket and kept in the well and then pulled up in the morning. Everybody drank from the well. We all grew up drinking water from the well. There was no systems. Nobody fell ill. I don't remember the seven years in my grandfather's house and before that 12 years with my parents in Bhutan that is put together. 19 years. I remember falling ill twice and one had nothing to do with the disease at all and the fall ill was an event. Everybody looked forward to it. To go to a doctor was a big thing. Next day I go to school. I visited the doctor. And the doctor will never give you a tablet. It's impossible to get him. If you got a tablet from the doctor, visiting the medical store is another big thing. He's standing there asking for a tablet. And then, you no. Know, after lunch when you take the tablet and drink, he got a tablet. This is what sickness was. <laughs> you know why? You know why? Because the kitchen was a holy place. It was a holy place. It's a holy place. Today, kitchen is not a holy place. It's a neglected place. Tang, 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 whatever comes out. It's not a holy place. I'm telling you these, these things, because these things hurt. Okay? When God says, give me your body as a living sacrifice, if the mother who is offering the body of the child, what is the kind of body you are offering? What kind of body you are offering? Is the health of your child, the health a primary concern or not? Concern or not? That's the question you have to ask. What are you eating? What are you eating? What are you eating? Do you think that? Because the first miracle Jesus does, is God is, is, is it at a wedding, meaning they are eating and drinking. There is lack there. The next the miracle he does is also in Kana of Galilee. Two miracles in Kana. One in John 2 and one in John 4. Okay, One is connected with lack, the other is connected with disease. And God says, can I really speak to you? Can I speak to you? And the world, actually you, want, you look at the world system. The world system wants to shut down the home kitchens. They want to shut down nuclear. They want everything to be state dependent. You go to US, you go to Malaysia, you go to Singapore, you go to all these places. Okay, you go there. People hardly cook. They hardly, They hardly cook. It's structured. If you go to Singapore, everything is structured in this way. If you're working in this company, your company will be here, your residents will be here, and everybody is made into that zone. And in the middle of that zone will be all these eating joints. Everybody goes outside, eats, they go home and sleep, they go to work. Very made convenient for you. Food courts, all are food courts. People do not realize they are slaves to modern ideologies. They yes, are slaves. They are slaves. And the devil wants to bring all the people into cities so that you are controlled. Cities. Cities you are controlled. You know, hats off to John MacArthur. He started his church, right? And he had the entire congregation and he said, We will worship s- Christ and not see. You know what the threats are to all these pastors and churches who dare to open? We'll shut your power and your water supply. you know the cities? What happens in cities? How the government controls you? They take your power. Take your power. That's enough. Where do you get your water from? You have no water? You have no power. And gas. You know why they push you into cities? Of course there is ease. Ah, water is there. When I grew up, the choir, you had to pull water from the well. But no government ever came and touched my well. It was difficult. But you know, you know you are, you are free. You are free. There is ease. But you don't realize you are a dog with a leash on your neck. The question is, how much will you give up for your liberty? How much will you? How much will you? We don't realize these things. This is the problem. Because one of the things Paul will tell Timothy is, Timothy, end your hardship as discipline. End your hardship as a discipline. Because what happens in all societies is is when you become government dependent, they will also start taking your liberties away and they will start telling you what you can do, what you cannot do, what you can say. To the point, imagine in California, the government said you cannot sing. Because if you sing in church, it will spread the virus. But they did not stop the people from shouting on the streets. We need to realize. Because these are the two fundamental issues people are going through. Lack and disease. You are afraid of lack. And you will be always afraid of lack unless you hear the voice of God. What is the answer out of lack? The voice of God. That's it. There is no other. There is no no, God does not give you a second solution. My righteous shall Love by faith. My righteous, you shall walk by faith and not by sight. Okay? That, it's as simple as that. And we, our job is to lead people to that because the day and hour will come to us also like in every nation it happened in the past where churches were scattered. Every individual had to walk with God alone. North Korea, how do you think they survive? Because of a church? every believer has learned to hear from God. Otherwise, you are not a believer. There are no church gatherings, there are no meetings, no preaching, no praising, no choir, no fasting. Everything is individual. But they have all learned to hear from God. And our job is to teach everyone, whether you are in a restrained situation or a free situation, everyone hears from God. Why? Christ is the head of the body. And what are we? Parts of the body. Now, let me tell you. Mm, let me look at Appu. Appu, if your little toe hurts, let's say, Raj by mistake stamped on your toe by, how did you know? Where, where did the pain go? Your head. Every part of my body is connected to the head. It receives its understanding, everything from the head. And when one part of my body is not connected to that head, that means that part of that body is dead. That's why hearing is so important. Hearing is so important. Hearing is so important. You may hear through other voices the voice of God. Okay? When that signal from my head reaches the toe, it has to pass through so many nervous systems, but it reaches there. But it's still coming from the head. You may hear through a pastor, you may through a TV program, you may hear through a book, you may read from your own Bible directly, you may through different, but you are still hearing the voice of God and you know it is the voice of God that is speaking to you. And fundamental lessons God teaches, fundamental lessons God teaches. And those lessons cannot be skirted. If you go to John chapter 2 and verse 1 on the third day, okay, this third day comes over there. There was a wedding in Cana. The mother of Jesus was there. And verse 2 is what changes everything. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. So the entire narrative in, you have to understand the spiritual truths. The entire spiritual truth you need to realize is that if Jesus was not invited to this wedding, it would have been just another wedding. It would not even mention in history. Or in the Bible. It would make no difference. There was once upon a time a wedding. The wedding ran. The wine ran out. And they were full of shame. The guests said, what is this? You invite us for a wedding. Biryani ran out. Put in our own. Huh? It was biryani. Biryani ran out. Wedding guests were given white rice and dal. And they when they complained till death. Okay. What changed the whole narrative? Jesus was invited. Jesus has not done any miracles. It's not done anymore. If you go by John's narrative, he's just into the king, into his ministry, third day. Okay? And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, and they have no wine. Now wait a second over there. Wait a second over there. Verse 3. The mother of Jesus came to Jesus. So if you look at the narrative very, very clearly, Jesus has done no miracle, no power struck, nothing over there. Then why did the mother come to him? she knew this was a son whom she could trust to find a solution to something. <coughs> she, he had that history in the house as a son. She had many children, but she knew one she could depend upon to find a solution. She was not asking for a miracle. She just brought a problem to her. Okay. The second key you learn is that when you have a situation who do you take it to? Who do you take it to? Again, the entire narrative changes, not because Jesus was in the wedding at the wedding, it was because the problem was taken to Jesus. The entire narrative changes, not because Jesus is in your life, but the fact when you have trouble in your life, you take the trouble to Jesus. Jesus can be in your life. Jesus can be in your home. Jesus can be in your church. But the problem is, when you have a problem, who do you go to first? Who do you go to first? And we have to teach our people to take it to Jesus first. Okay, and when they are children, they will call us, pray, pray, pray. But 15 years later, you are still calling your pastor to pray? What does that mean? It means you haven't learned to hear Learned, here, We have become dependent, and we don't create dependency in the in the kingdom because it's dangerous when the hour of persecution comes. It is dangerous. Let's leave what Jesus said, because that's got to do with something. If she had asked for some words for, it's got to do with his end time. Wine was a symbol so of his covenant that he was making. Even that, I told three things to the church, the Nepali and Hindi church. There are three things which God does. He makes promises. There are incredibly, exceedingly great promises. He makes oath. So he swore an oath in his anger. They will never enter into my rest. And then he makes a covenant. These are three different things God does. He promises, He makes oaths, and He makes a covenant. There's an old covenant and a new covenant. A covenant cannot be broken. It can be only broken at the death of the person who breaks it. So, she is asking for something which has got to do with the covenant. And the covenant, both old and new covenant, are unilateral covenants. God made with man, and man had no part in it. Unilateral covenant, that is one of the most comforting things if you understand about the covenant meaning I did not choose him he chose me so he made a covenant with me that means he will save me he will save me my salvation is not dependent upon my strength it's dependent upon him that's a covenant so he said okay look at verse 5 the verse 5 is key one thing Mary told if the Catholic Church believed would have set them free the one thing Mary said to the servants. Whatever He says to you, do it. Two things over here. Okay? Not two things, three things. One is, He will speak. He says. Whatever He says. Listen carefully what He says. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Listen carefully what He says. Second, whatever He says. Not only what you like. What you like. Of what you like. There are a lot of things which we like and God tells us that we will do it very enthusiastically. There are a lot of things which God says we don't like and we are like. Whatever he says to you, this is the key that one line, John chapter 2, 5 One advice Mary gave to the world if only the world kept it, the Catholic Church especially, they would be free whatever he says. You don't have to come to me. I can't hear your prayers. I cannot answer your prayers. I am just another person like you. Whatever he says to you, do it. Third part is, you have to do it. And leave the result to him. You have to do it. Whatever he says. So that's we looked at it. That Can we hear? We have lack. Whatever lack it Lack in this case, there are not a wine. Okay? Simple, so just look at it as an illustration. This is the first sign he does. Everybody has a lack in their life, or lacks in their life, not LAKH, <laughs> Okay, okay, everybody has lacks in their life. The question is, will you go to Jesus? Two, will you do whatever he says? In this case, it was easy what he said. But some cases it won't be easy what he said. But will you do it? Because sometimes we go to Christ to get. And he will say, first return everything, then you will get. And we will say, okay, I'll find another God. Whatever is that one word will give you nightmares if you're not surrendered now whatever he says I wonder what he will say the same God who told Abraham leave your country and I will bless you also told him take your only son and three day journey and offer him as a sacrifice whatever he says whatever he says are we willing whatever he says to you do it verse 6 now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the juice containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. There was something that did not catch anybody's eye or attention. That is not something anybody would use. Okay? And as a pastor, I have to be very, very careful because I wouldn't know who he chooses. Who he chooses. We do not know. We do, don't understand God's ways. If you look in that house, the house was full of vessels because it is a wedding. The vessels in the kitchen, cooking going on. Vessels in the dining room. All kinds of vessels. And of all the vessels, the most unworthy vessel are these six sitting outside with water to wash people's feet. And a set of servants, the lowest in the hierarchy to wash the feet of the people. Imagine what God used on that day. First miracle he used, a set of things which you wouldn't even consider looking at. And a set of people we wouldn't even say hi to. Who would be used? Now I'm making an example and I'm not making that person in the water pot, so don't mistake me. Okay, don't. I'm just using as an example. We've been at church for 12 years. Right? 12 years. And 13th year began. Lockdown began. And in the middle of the lockdown, our ministry is seen, it was heard by tens and thousands before, seen more more people today than ever in our church's history all around the world. But of all the people, if you are looking at, it's interesting, right? Of all the people who have come and gone and been there and all, there is one person called Apukuti nobody has seen. They haven't seen her yet. But do you know probably in this pandemic she is the most used female voice by God up to 12-13 times a week. Four languages. Quietly does. Until today nobody has seen her. Yet her voice they are hearing everywhere. They have seen Peter because Peter is here. In 12 years we said about this one's voice and that one's talent and that one's sing, but I never heard anybody say anything about Apukuti, right? God saw. She was at the right place at the right time. At the right place at the right time. And therefore she comes down. She does it quietly. Okay. Jesus was at the right place at the right time. And there were six water pots sitting there outside. After that day, after that day, if pots could talk, imagine pots could talk. The six water pots and one cup had so much to say. He'll say, you all will be forgotten all of eternity. For two thousand years from so many pulpits, we will be always spoken about. All of eternity will be talked about. The son of God, when he came in the flesh, we were the first ones he used. He didn't even use his disciples. Okay, Always learn to see through God's eyes, how he sees people, how he uses people. Never ever get the world's picture in. There were six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification. Okay? And Jesus said, now he's going to speak. His mother has said, listen carefully. Do whatever he says. He said to them, listen to the instruction very carefully. Fill the water pots with water. And what the scripture say? You see, this is the difference. They don't ask any questions. They don't ask any questions. That's why he didn't ask the disciples. They've been only with him for three days. If they were to tell Peter John 120 questions. Buy water. We all washed our feet already. What do you want to do? How much should we fill? Half is enough. But the instruction is very clear. What is it? Fill the water pots with. And they filled it up to the brim. You know why a lot of people have heard, but they don't experience God's miracle or power in their lives? Because they haven't obeyed fully. They fill quarter. They fill half. But God said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He didn't say, be filled half with the Holy Spirit. And be filled continuously with the Holy Spirit. That's the only way he has mandated to the church. You want to walk free, without fear, in the midst of all this? Be filled with my Holy Spirit. And the question is, the first, these are all signs, because scripture talks about this as a sign. This is the first sign Jesus is talking, and do we take the first sign seriously? Did we start the day by saying, Lord, fill me with your spirit, Lord? I don't want to think my thoughts. I want to think your thoughts. I want to live your life. I don't want to live my life. I already left my life and I am totally dissatisfied. I know it is a miserable life. But your life, whenever I have lived your life, I have found there is rest in it. There is In your life, there is rest. One of the fundamental things Jesus taught us during his life, on especially the three and a half years of ministry is how you can have rest in the midst of pressure. Unbelievable pressure he faced. He's an like itinerant preacher without even a bike. Meaning you know, he walks. He has no money. And he's got 12 people who is gathered who has to take care of them. At the end of his ministry, he asks them, I sent you out. Did you lack anything? And they say, Nothing. You know why they didn't lack? Because he heard. Because he heard. You know why we lack? Because we don't hear. And if we hear, we don't fill the brim. Honestly, think, th- let's look at an academic question. If I and you are filled with the Holy Spirit, do you think we would struggle? We wouldn't struggle. We wouldn't struggle. And that's the first thing he says fill the water pots with water. And scripture says they fill them up. Yeah, stay there, fill them up to the brim. Do we fill? One, are we f- allow ourselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do, when God says something, do we obey to the f- T? We are always told, dot your I's and cross your T's. One of the fun things, always dot your I's and cross your T's. Because if you don't, the answer may look different. You don't know if it's a T or a L. Do you obey? And this didn't start yesterday or today. It started with Abraham. Leave your country, leave your household. Did he leave? Yes. Did he obey fully? No. He took his father alone. Why? I did not include, I love your father, you love your father, you honor your father, but obey me. I did not include your father in this call, because your father is an idol worshipper. I did not include your father. You did not. Abraham could say, I obeyed. And then, Why are you not hearing? Why are you not? How many years since you heard Abraham? Quite a long time. Why haven't you heard? I don't know. Well, I know. Do you know that man? Yeah, that's Dada. Yeah, that's why you don't hear. I told you to leave it. That's why you got stuck at Haram. You haven't entered the promised land still. Because I cannot speak to you. You know why? Because in your heart there is a person bigger than me. So I cannot speak to you. You will always listen to the one who is bigger. And your father is bigger in your heart than me. God is not saying don't love your father. He says love your father honor your father but don't love them more than me you will not hear from you, you will always hear their voice a man who has heard the voice of God after that should continuously hear the voice of God before you hear the voice of God listen to your father listen to your mother everything but after you have heard the voice of God he looks at his mother and says what has that got to do with me woman the coming between me and my father. I'm sorry, ma'am. Stay aside. I've heard my father. It's over, mommy. It's over. I love you. I will care for you. But it's over. My father has spoken. Abraham did. Abraham did. No. Because when we say we have filled to the brim, let God say we have filled to the brim. You know why? Because when we have filled to the brim, you will always hear the second command. If you haven't heard the second command, that means you haven't obeyed the first command yet. So Abraham does not hear the second command until his father dies. Then scripture says the Lord appeared to him and said, Go. Go. I'll bless you. I'll do all these things, everything he hears. And now he enters into Canaan. Famine comes. Immediately goes to Egypt. Why did he go to Egypt? Because he didn't hear the voice of God. Why didn't he hear the voice of God? Because he did not ask. The question is, you need to ask. What did Mary say? Tell the servants, go back there. His mother said to the servants, what does that mean? What does that mean? Imagine I am one of the servants. Mary comes and says, whatever he is there, whatever he asks to. So what do I have to do? I have to go to him and ask, sir, what should I do? If they hadn't gone, then there would be still no miracle. He has the power, he has the voice, he can speak. But I need to go to him and ask him. And they went to him and asked. And he told them, this is what you need to do. Abraham did not go to God and ask. He did not go to God and ask. He did not go to God and ask. And God is teaching a simple fundamental lessons from that first, first miracle. Did he go and ask? Lot of things we don't have to ask. That's about life. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt. Thou shalt not. No, we don't have to ask those things. Should I kill today? No. You don't, to you don't have to ask. Should I steal? No. You don't have to ask those. Those things we know. No. Thou shalt not make any graven image. Those things you need to ask, Lord. That's a very dicey question. I know. In the new covenant, it's not the letter; it is the spirit. Do I still have an idol? Idol, and God will say, "Yes, you have. I have." Who is that? This person. Oh, I didn't know persons are idols. He says, yeah, your loyalty, your affections. Heart is connected with your affections. Affections. So Abraham. Abraham is there. And Abraham is still not able to hear the voice of God to move forward. He's, he's, he's good. He's in the promised land. Everything is going on good for him. But if you ask Abraham, Abraham... Do you know your purpose in the promised land? He says, purpose? I think it is to be a good cattleman. I'm a rancher. I've got all these cattle and flocks and everything. But do you know your purpose? Oh, I don't know purpose. I have a promise, but I don't know my purpose. You know why he hasn't heard his purpose? Because there's a man called Lot over there whom he hasn't left yet. That was not part of the call. It's a difference. If you look at Genesis 11, you don't have to go there. Terah took Abraham along. And in Genesis 12, Lot followed Abraham. But both were not part of the call. Lot can follow Abraham, but Lot has to be allowed to move on. He's not part of your call. So the Bible says, after Lot left, God said, "He he heard. He heard. He heard. And you will see continuously there is this process in Abraham's life where the blocks come in. And whenever there is a block in our life where we are not hearing, you need to ask, Lord, why am I not hearing? What is that I have left unobeyed? Have I disobeyed? Have I left something incomplete? You said, fill. I thought I had filled. But because this is a physical cup, I know when I have built. But this is a spiritual cup. I don't know whether I am full or not. I don't know whether I am full or not. I may feel I am full when I am not. The Laodicean church thought they were full when they were empty. They thought they were covered when they were naked. They thought they were rich when they were poor. And They thought they were prosperous when they were wretched. That's a terrible thing. To happen to a church or a person. You may think, you may feel, when you are not. My reality is not reality. My reality is what God says I am. I am not a good father, unless God says I am a good father. I am not a good man, unless God says I am a good man. Because images, the question is set by the father, the answer paper is Jesus. You know when you have board exams and then you have the evaluation camp going on. You know all the evaluation. You have never been an evaluator. I was an evaluator of a board exam. So when you sit over there, you know, and they give you the ans- the the board answers. So you tabulate, you tally with that whether okay. the student's answer is right or not. So how many points he has, how much you can give, they give you. You know. The question is said by the father. The examiner has given the answer sheet. It is Jesus Christ. And my life and your life is going to be evaluated with his. So even Macha says, Macha you are great. And Amma says, my son is great. It's all irrelevant. On that day, seven words. Well done. Well done. Well done. That's a race we are running. But the problem is this is a race with minefields set by the enemy. You cannot be complacent. You, can, you cannot say, I'm sorry. I don't, want to, I, I don't want to partake in this. Then God says, die. There's no other way out. No way out. You have to. Because you are in a spiritual... I don't want to engage in a spiritual battle. You are already lost. You are already a prisoner. This is all part of it. Your race, your battle is part of it's part of salvation. You're rejecting when you say I don't want to get in the battle, you're rejecting the Holy Spirit. That's your CEO. That's your CEO. You go to the army camps and all they will come back to this thing, they're all in the uniform, they're all, all the So Bedar Major comes and he's reading out the orders for the day from the CEO. Saab That's all the game. They don't care from anything else. They don't care for anything else. Proof. Second Timothy chapter two and verse Paul is telling Mr. Timothy. Timothy verse two. No one in oh, words, no one encased in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. It does not matter. See, we have to change our entire concept of loss and gain also. He didn't get it. Because in life, in the world, everything is put across balance sheet now. Sammy will go with balance sheet. No, auditor is coming today. Loss and gain. But what is loss in the world will be gain in the world, in the kingdom. What is gain in the world will be loss in the kingdom. Think about Elisha. An old man comes, comes down, takes his mantle, puts it on Esau and walks away. Because he's a spiritual guy, he understands what it means. It is the call of God upon his life. Elijah has called it. Now, if he does not value spiritual things, this is that. I'm not interested. That is Esau. I'm not interested. Okay. Elisha is the one who valued it. Okay. Now, when you're looking at Elisha, after three and a half years of famine, of salmon. Rain has come. You have to see, you know, the dry ground when the rain falls. It's ready to plant here. so You're going to have a harvest. You're going to make money. And you are not just a small kid. You have 12 yoke of oxen. You are at the 12th. And this is your father's. This is the killing you're going to make this year. And uh, that's when the call comes. Let's call the call. The simple thing is that you are a hard worker. You want going to make a lot of profit. Profession has changed. Everything you learn, you will take it there. But profession has changed. And you know what? You have to give up this, which is material, temporal, to follow somebody which is spiritual and eternal. Will you, you obey his voice? Will you obey his voice? And people who haven't obeyed his voice don't even understand these concepts. It's very difficult to teach them. Difficult to teach them. Always this confusion because they get all these letters about marriage and wanting to marry and also <laughs> Sometimes I just want to tell them why do you want to get married? Why do you think you'll make a good husband? Why do you think you'll make a good wife? Why do you want to get married? A lot of people who in life I have met. I believe they should have never got married. Because they don't even understand what a marriage means. A marriage is a life of sacrifice. And if you are not willing for that, don't get married. Stay single. For a woman to get married means she's given up her life. Everything for her home. The entire next generation is in her hands entire next generation is in your hands. The children will be made or unmade, depending upon how you see who you are and what God has called you to be. Do you understand? No one engaged in warfare and Do you realize? To be a mother is warfare. You are fighting for the souls, so not the career. Now, for the souls of your children, that they will fulfill God's destiny. Who wants a career in the kingdom? Whatever he calls you is your career. Only thing you do is equip that person with what is needed for that career. Called integrity, hard work. Life has hard work, has a discipline. Let me ask you, young people sitting over here. How many of you? Because this is entire concept about the last days and tribulation and rapture and all. How do you know? People always ask me, Pastor, it's pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation. I said, I don't know. I don't know. Why? Because all these pictures are in the Bible. Let me ask you this question. There are seven plagues in the New Covenant, in the book of Revelation. There are ten in the Old Covenant in Egypt. Ten plagues. And if you look at the plagues, the plagues are similar. The plagues are similar. The first three or four, everybody went through. Right? Three, everybody went through. After that, God made a separation. After that, God made a separation. And the separation was only in that place called Goshen, where the Israelites lived. What if God's plan, we are hearing it completely different. The seven... Um, tribulation, the plagues of God is going to roll rolled out. And God has specified his Goshen's around the world and his people will be safe only in those places and the plagues will pass over them. But the first few, like this pandemic, God allows both to go through. Pictures are there. And when the twelfth is over, the tenth plague is over, there is an exodus. They came out of Egypt going to the land dedicated by God. What if after the seven plagues are over there is an exodus and God takes his people out. But they were protected because they heard and they knew exactly where they needed to be. And God supernaturally kept them. Isn't that what also Revelation 12 says about the woman who was taken into the wilderness and Satan, but God protected her. How do you read all this? How do you read all this? The question is, can we live like that? If you haven't heard? Let me ask you this question. How many of us in this modern generation can live without electricity? Probably in this entire city, in this entire church, I am the only one who has lived without electricity for an entire year of my life. No electricity. And only because of that, even till today what I learned in childhood, I know how to make my own lambs. And live. Can you live without electricity? Best life ever. You wake up with the sun, and you go to sleep with the sun, and you realize you have enough and more time and less trouble. No TV, no radio, nothing. Radio was there with batteries. Think about it. Simple eventuality. Next is is EPM attack after the pandemic, and all the power systems are gone, and there is no electricity. How will you live? You know how to live. Because everything of the modern man works on electricity. Can you believe? How simple are our lives? That's what Paul is telling Timothy. Timothy, 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 Timothy. Focus, focus, Timothy, focus, focus, Timothy, focus. And That's what Jesus is teaching us in the first miracle. Do whatever he says. Did you feel to the brim? For you feel. Your feelings don't matter what God I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. Really? Who said that? I have obeyed the voice. What did he say? I filled to the brim. The problem is he is speaking not to any other person to the prophet who hears the voice of God. He said if you have obeyed then why do I hear the voice of the bleating of the my question is, how did he differentiate the voice of the Amalekite sheep and the Jewish sheep? How did he know the difference? Unless God told him. All sheep, the for me all sheep sound is the same. It's the same. How did he know the difference? How did he know the difference? God said, he has not obeyed me. He has not obeyed me. The Bible says they fill to the brim. Fill to the brim. Look at that. They fill them up to the brim. The question is, you keep on filling. Keep on filling until the Holy Spirit starts coming out of your nostrils. Say, Lord, go back to Ephesians chapter 4 16 or 17. Yeah, uh, 5, 5. Sorry, not 4, 5. Because the days are evil. And verse 17. Unwise, understand the will of God. Is, and verse 18 is a command. What is that? Do not be drunk with wine in which there is dissipation. Okay? It's a sign of the world. Be filled with the spirit. What does it say? Be filled with the, And what will come out of your nostrils? Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the no this is not talking around going around singing you said there will be melody in your heart in the midst of your persecution remember that Ethiopian sister who used to sing in that container hot like a pot the songs remember the man in China who was sent to that who opted to work in the place where the human extreme meant nobody wanted to come there because of the punch and smell and nobody when he comes also comes near him and he chose that so that he could sing chose that just just think about yourself just think just pause for a minute and think about the times you are actually alone in your homes in your rooms Is there always a song that's coming Is there melody Is there melody? That's the first sign. Making melody. We used to sing in one of my first choruses I learned when I got saved. Making melody. I did not even know these things were in the Bible. Making melody in your heart. Making melody in your heart. Making melody in your heart. Unto the king of kings. No? Later when I read the Bible, oh, all these things are there in the Bible. You make melody. These you the fundamental things Jesus is talking about? Fill to the brim. And what did they do? They filled it to the brim. And next command. Simple command. Very difficult. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. Now, now wait a second. Wait a second. It is not so easy. Inside, feast is taking place. All this while, from the time the meeting began, the wedding began, and the guests were coming, what were these people doing? You know what they were doing? They were taking water from washing the feet, washing the feet, What? Suddenly, they have been told something absolutely shocking. Take some and take it inside. That is why you have to hear very carefully because what he tells you will be absolutely shocking. Shocking. it will scare you. Many, many moons away. That's an old Red Indian term. Many, many moons ago. Years and years and years ago. And I stepped into ministry. Very little money little money. But in the bank, I stepped into ministry never even knowing you get an offering or support. I had I no. I was a rookie. You know, I had no idea. Just obeyed and came out. Then I asked the Lord, Lord, how do I move on? You know, I trust you. You will take care of me. I believe you will take care of me. You know what the first thing you hear? Kay. You know, you, lightning goes through your heart. Lord, what did you say? <laughs> I was talking about receiving <laughs> I was talking about receiving lord I, I think I, I think you I, you didn't hear carefully I think you didn't hear what I was trying to say. I was talking to you about how do I get and you're telling me give he said that's how you get he said you can study the entire scripture that's how you get. I t- became very spiritual and I said, Lord, I believe Lord I will get when I give, but I don't know whom to give." He said, don't worry. I thought I could escape. Escape has to no, know. I don't know how He said, don't worry. I'll send them to you. You have to be very careful with this God, okay? Don't put your foot in your mouth unless you really, really believe and that what he says. You know, next week it started. Kring! You open the door, somebody is Pastor, I said, what happened? I haven't eaten for a week. I haven't paid my rent. Having paid my fees, I said, "Okay, this is God." <laughs> what do you do? First, feed them, and because they were not from India, and from, they were our <laughs> those days other brothers from Africa, they could eat one loaf of bread and six eggs disappear in a blink of an eye they were not nigerian they were from kenya they could eat they could eat okay. <laughs> what was meant for normal people like me for 4 days went in one blink it is gone it they left and they said come tomorrow where am i i am at the bank why to withdraw money and before you know i had, I, I still can remember my account i think i had around 36000 those days it is big money, okay? In my bank, at the end of then, God said, "Keep a keep keep a record." So at the end of the year, I kept a record. I gave out every pie of that thirty six thousand. I looked at this one lakh twenty thousand had come in without me asking from anybody. That was the first lesson he taught me. And after that, I have never feared lack. It's only one way. Only one. Way fear of lack is broken. Fear. You know what God told them? You fill. He could have done it many ways. You would have expected like our Indian gods. Wave his hand and suddenly wine is flowing over. They didn't do any of that. He said, you fill. You fill. They had to go to the well. Whatever. Draw the water. Bring and fill. and Fill and fill. So they are putting in. Second, no questions asked what you're gonna do. Take, draw something, and take it to the master of the feast. No, this is where it becomes difficult. You have to trust God's ways. He never does something the same way twice. So it's very careful that you hear. Very careful. We struggle because what I'm saying, these two things are here side by side. One is pestilence, the other is famine. Both are there side by side. And God's people need to come out successfully through this you and I have to learn to hear. Learn to hear. There's no other way. Learn to hear and obey. Learn and it may look ridiculous. It may look threatening. But these are servants of the lowest. And they have to take that in. To who? The mass. Now we do not know what happened, when it happened. When they filled it, did it become wine? When they drew it, did it become wine? When they took it on the way, did it become wine? Or when it was handed over to the feast? We don't know. We don't. have no clue. Some people were healed instantaneously. Some people were healed when they were going. We don't. Some people were healed only when they went all the way and washed their eyes in the pool of Siloam. You don't know when it will happen. But listen carefully what he says. Instructions were not seen. They were all blind. Let it be according to your feet. Another case, put it. Go wash. Leopards, while they were going, we don't know. Our job is to listen carefully. And Obey without questioning. That's where our break, that's where intelligence should be put away. He's not checking your IQ, he's checking your obedience. Checking. And we have a lot of issues here. Scripture says, and they, just four words, just four words, but that can change your life. They took it. And they took it. And Peter did it. That's it. Four words. And Peter did it. Think about it. Okay. Think about it. Think about poor Hannah crying and crying and crying and crying and crying on day, breaking a heart, pouring out a soul, Lord, give me a son, a promise he'll be separated. A razor will not touch everything she said. The high priest looks at like, her, Are you a drunk woman? She said, Lord, you do not know out of the misery. You know what he said? Okay. The Lord has answered your prayer. Go in peace. She took it. She took it. Who's speaking? A, a disqualified priest. But through his mouth also God speaks. To his. And he doesn't even know he has spoken. The very prophecy of God. She receives it. Her face changed. How do you know you have received the word of God? Your face changed. This melody in her heart. You read scripture carefully once I'm all. She changed. She did not go back the way she came Whose word should he receive? The voice of God through the word of Eli. She did not go back the way. There is melody in her heart now. Okay, And God is, Jesus is teaching his disciples a fundamental lesson in the beginning. This is how you will do it. Listen to me, obey it, and you will see it will change. It will change. And they go there and they see. It's wine. What did the master say? He tasted the water that was made wine. He did not know where it came from. But the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom. And what did he say? Hey, what is this? Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. What's God saying? Attend. Has a comfort this thing. Lord of people, come to the Lord through difficult situations later in life. And they're very discouraged. <laughs> because when you were young, you gave everything to the world and everything. And then you come to the Lord, Lord. And God says, you know what? I can make your latter end greater than all that you did before. If you believe. If you believe. Would you just completely give your life to me now? Lord, I'm 70. It doesn't matter. Lord, I'm 80, I cannot even speak. Doesn't matter, Moses. Now I will speak. Now I will use you. Are you willing? Are you willing? No. Be very careful about hearing God and thinking God heard you. They're two absolutely different things. No? Oh, we've been ten years in this land. We have no child, God promised. So Abe Sarah said, Abraham, she looked around, culture, culture. We are all culture vultures, no? He We used to call people that culture vultures. Everything is according to culture. Everybody is having children through their maid servants. So let us also have one and we can say it is God's promise fulfilled. Did he check with God? Every time Abraham did not check with God, he created trouble. With famine, he did not check with God. Ever Ishmael, he did not check with God. And he had Ishmael. As soon as Ishmael is committed, started, trouble started in the house. But what does he call Ishmael? What does he call the name? Ishmael. What does is Ishmael mean? God hears. Oh, God has heard my prayer. That's not the question. Did you hear God? See, a lot of things which is successful, we say God answered my prayer. Oh, no. I don't want God to answer my prayer. I want to hear from God now. I have enough of prayers answered. I don't want it anymore. I want God. I want I want to hear God. Isaac is the result that he heard God. The problem is when he and his wife heard about Isaac, they both laughed. They both laughed. He laughed. She <laughs> laughed Oh, at this old age. You see, that's the problem. When we hear God, we laugh. We look at the impossibilities. The servants did not laugh. They just obeyed. Disciples would have laughed. Or doubt would have come in. All kind of doubt. Remember? Let us feed them. They said, how can we? Six months wages. Five loaves. Those are the disciples. We never asked a disciple to do anything the first time. He wanted them to learn a lesson. See. See. And what does scripture say in verse 11? The beginning of the signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee manifested his glory. And his disciples, nobody knew. Nobody knew what happened. Just the servants, the disciples. And he didn't make a baby. Nobody knew. Jesus left it alone. This was just a practical lesson for the disciples. He said, learn. And they believed in him. Nobody knew. It's not like today's preachers will call everybody and um, give this testimony about how great my power is. Give a testimony. He never did any of those things. But that's why this was the first sign. Not miracle. Sign. Miracle and a sign is different. You can experience a miracle and miss the sign. A lot of people have experienced the miracle of new birth and missed the sign. The new birth was the sign of something that would continue all the way till eternity. You are being renewed and renewed and renewed and renewed and renewed. It was a sign, but they're "I'm born again, I'm going to heaven," and went back to the world. They experienced the miracle, they missed the sign. Missed the sign. And that's what God is talking about. Everybody is missing. We all missed it for years. And these are serious questions to us. If I am a new creation, then I cannot be a man like before. I need to be a man according to your word. I cannot be a husband like before. I need to be a husband according to your word. I cannot be a wife according to the old thing. I have to be a wife. I have to be a mother. I have, I have to be a disciple according to the word. I cannot be, I cannot be satisfied. I cannot be content. Because I will be disqualified that day. Not I will lose my salvation. Paul says I will be disqualified. He didn't say I will be cast out of heaven. He said I will be disqualified. Because I did not run my race according to the rules. You cannot serve like before. And you will see the fundamental key to everything is to hear. And as soon as they heard and obeyed, lack was over. Lack was over. And you know what did God do? God do first miracle what God did to remove the lack. He used something that was readily and so commonly available that everybody overlooked it. Everybody overlooked it. It was there. The water was there. Oh we have no wine, 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 we have no, no provision is right there. All you need is God. All you needed was to hear from God. But because you did not hear from God, your very provision, in the presence of your very provision, you are dry and dying. And it's right before your eyes. All you need to is to hear and to obey. Did you see Elijah? Oh, lady picking sticks down, picking sticks. You know what? She's getting ready to cook her last meal, feed herself and son, and get ready to, because everywhere else it is famine. You're not going to get anything from anybody. So this is your last meal. You're getting ready to die. And right there stands an old man. She doesn't realize, that's my miracle. I have to listen to her. If I obey his voice, my miracle begins. Now, what he's going to ask is, very difficult. But question is, will you obey? Will you obey? Will you obey? What if she doesn't obey? She and her son will die. God will show him another house. God's work cannot be stopped. If Mary says, no, I don't want to bear the son of God, I am a virgin, I am betrothed to Joseph, I have made my plans. God says, fine. God says, this. Yes. another woman there, go to her, she will say yes. She will say yes. She will say yes. We always, we often realize, we miss, we miss. And our major issue is, I was telling somebody yesterday, a major issue is, we haven't learned to sit still with God. We are too busy. I said in my entire church, GDC, Hyderabad, I said, except me and Pastor um, Vijay, nobody has yet learned the discipline of consistently, getting out and locking yourself with God. You're too busy. Too busy. You haven't learned the discipline of just shutting every voice and sit with him alone and say, I don't want to hear anybody. I just want to spend time with God. Because if I don't hear God, I'm not going to come through this. I'm going to be destroyed, along with the others. The only thing that will care, because if I look at the time people waste. <laughs> waste. There's no time to waste, church yesterday somebody wrote to me while the prayer was going on I think I left, my spirit went to heaven and came back, somebody who got saved a few months back (laughs) no, No, I'm not saying you need to go that way, all that is relevant, you have to hear the voice of God we still haven't learned to shut every voice The first lesson Israel got is being missed. Let's have our final scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verses 1 I think to 4. 8 1 to 4 Every commandment Which I command you today, you must be carefully observed that you may live and multiply, go in and possess the land of which the Lord sowed to you. You shall remember the Lord your God, led you all the way, these 40 years in the wilderness. For what? To humble you, to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you, allowed you to hunger, fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, you know why he let in the, them into the wilderness? Do you know why he put them in lockdown, in the desert? So they would learn to hear his voice. And they did not hear. And when they heard, they rebelled. The only reason he led them from the promise, from Egypt, and not straight to the promised land, let them into the wilderness, is first thing, if you want to win your battles in the promised land and become an overcomer, one primary lesson of the wilderness is to shut every other voice and learn to hear my voice. That's the only way. The church will survive. Church. And our struggle is this. The struggle is this. We hate the wilderness. Hate the wilderness. And you look into the word of God and you find me one man who did not come out of the wilderness. Was used by God. Everybody, including his son, had to go into the wilderness and be tested whether he's hearing. What, you know what the test is taking place in the wilderness with Jesus? The three temptations? It's not the three temptations. The simple test to the son is this. Have you learned to hear my voice? And he heard answered answer correctly and he overcame. That's the only test. The same test Israel went through. Have you heard? Yes. Will you obey? You obeyed. And he came back in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only test. And we don't realize that's the most important test, that we hear God's voice and obey it. Man, woman, child. And it doesn't matter even you're a child like Samuel. The only test is that, will you hear my voice? And the first test Samuel has to hear is, he heard the voice of God. And he did not recognize it, but he heard. Samuel, 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 Samuel. The question is, will you obey when you heard the voice? Hearing the voice is one thing. And turning your head, side and says that old man won't sleep, won't let me sleep too. He didn't say that. He got up and he ran. You know why? You know why he got up and ran? Because his mother has taught him to obey that voice. Samuel is there. I disciplined him to obey the voice of authority. Mother is in there. Father is in there. He realizes Eli is the next authority. Samuel, he runs to Eli. Eli, I didn't call him. Twice? Thrice. Fourth time. He gets the answer. Think about it. Three times somebody says, I didn't call you, would you go back to that same man? It still is absolutely clear. I have heard a voice calling me by name. I have to find out who called me. Fundamental lessons, children. I'm telling you, fundamental, there is a huge difference between literally between heaven and earth when you hear the voice of God. He speaks to you and you obey. Your life is a series of miracles. And every time you and I did not hear or heard and disappoint, our life was a series of disasters. You can choose miracle or disaster. Ah, that's a good title. (laughs) (laughs) Miracle or disaster. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you this morning. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. Around the world, your children are listening. Some very young, new babes in Christ. Some much older is irrelevant. We have a God who is our Father who speaks. And when he speaks, we are at rest. Absolutely at rest. Because we know you are faithful. What you have spoken, you will do. All we have to do is obey. Teach us to hear and obey. Teach us to hear and obey. Today we live in cities. But we have to choose our wilderness where we crowd out the voices of men and women around us and the voices of all these ideologies that are being pumped day in and day out and just listen to the voice of God and meditate upon the word of God and go out and do what we have been called to do. Fully, completely fill it to the brim. Thank you Father. Thank you. Every time A vessel is filled to the brim. What pours out is wine and a miracle. Because it's the work of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.